There are a lot of things that matter to me. Family, community, culture, and peace of mind. Hi, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and when balancing life, I have to say nothing brings more comfort than having support. And when it comes to ensuring those things that matter to you the most, State Farm offers the support with an agent available in person or on the phone to discuss your coverage options. Support when you need it, however you choose. That's State Farm's way. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Wait. Joseph, I can see you in our Zoom. By the way, you guys, we do record these as Zooms in case you're looking for a little BTS. <laughs> Joseph, that does not look like your usual apartment. Um, Where are you or who are you with? Excuse me. I'm in my penthouse with my Versace on the floor. Where else? Okay, just kidding. I don't have a penthouse. And I don't even know whose penthouse this is, to be honest. Okay. If you need help, text me. <laughs> Got it. Now it's time to introduce our next icon. Let's go, baby cakes. Over 130 million records sold worldwide. 15 Grammy Awards. 13 Soul Train Awards. 11 American Music Awards. Eight number one hits. Six Diamond Certified Songs in the United States. Four Brit Awards. Three Guinness World Records. Two Super Bowls. And one heck of an artist. Our new icon, Peter Dean Hernandez Jr. An icon que en su casa lo conocen. As Bruno Mars. Oh, yeah. He makes that music you want to either get married to or honeymoon to, if you know what I'm saying. I think everybody knows what you're saying. You sure? Because I mean sexy time. Okay, I know. We got it. <laughs> Muchos movimientos sexy. <laughs> I love that song, but enough. We got it, okay? okay? Fine, fine, fine. We got it. And by the way, there is so much more musically to Bruno Mars than just that. And we are so excited to break it all down for you. Pop, R&B, funk, soul, disco, reggae, and even a little rock. He's throwing it all in there like my abuela's mole. On today's episode, the rise of Bruno from child Elvis impersonator to homeless in L.A. and all the way to his penthouse. I'm your host, Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And this is Becoming an Icon. A weekly podcast where we give you the rundown on how today's most famous Latinx stars have shaped pop culture. And given the world some extra sabor. Sit back and get comfortable. Because we are going in. The only way we know how. With buenas vibras. Algunas risas. Some chisme. And a lot of opinions as we relive their greatest achievements on our journey to find out what makes them so iconic. Okay, Lils, 
who is Bruno Mars to you? Oh, well, I wish he was my friend because I feel he (laughs) knows how to throw a really good party. He dresses really well and the boy can move. Gosh, I think of movement when I think of Bruno. Like I want to dance. I want to have a good time. Life is good. Not in my feelings, just like out of my body, ready to party. That's how I think of Bruno. Okay, wait, wait. So when was the first time you heard of Bruno? Probably that video, like the way you are video, I would say like that first album. I mean, it was all over the radio. And every time I say radio, I think that like our listeners think we're like 87 years old and we live in Florida. <laughs> Y'all, we're not. We're young. OK, but we're young. But I listen to the radio in my car. Like I know y'all listen to Spotify. My old ass listens to the radio. And back in the day, I certainly listened to the radio when that album came out and you couldn't escape it. And I think what I remember yeah. most is like that song was on all the stations. It was on the hit station. It was on the jazz station. It was on the adult contemporary station. Like he was all of the demos. What about you? When I first heard his music, it was the Victoria's Secret show. Or I guess that's when I put him to the music. When I saw him on the Victoria's Secret show, I started liking his music. And then all of a sudden he started collabing with people that I I knew of. So That was my entree to Bruno. Your your entree into Bruno? My entree. Now, would you consider yourself to be a Bruno Mars fan? You know, I'm not not a fan. So, like, (laughs) I I like his music. I could say that. If you wanted to go to his concert, I would be like, yeah, that would be fun. But I'm not sure that I have more than four songs on my Spotify. Okay, well, I love that you said if I wanted to take you to a Bruno Mars concert, you would come (laughs) with me. Yes. I would go with you. Thank you you so much. That's very generous of you and your time. (laughs) Uh, But what is so great about saying that is that you actually have a different level of respect and appreciation for his musicality and for his ability as a performer when you see him in concert. Because like, listen, I go to a lot of concerts. Like I've been to all the big ones, like Jay-Z, Beyonce, Taylor Swift. Like, okay, I didn't go to Bad Bunny, but I've seen J-Lo 50 times. When you play an arena, if you can get everyone in the arena, and I'm not talking about the floor, like everyone to stand up and not just like clap and like bounce up and down, but I mean like dance it out, like sweat flying at you from like the row behind you. Like (laughs) that is a party. And Bruno's concerts are like a massive dance party. I don't know how to describe it other than that. I have been three times. Three times. Wow. So you're a fan. (laughs) I'm such a fan. Again, like his music is so fun. I remember I was going through like a very dark time in my life. And I was like, can I tell you all the therapy in the world did not make me feel as Mm -hmm. good as dancing for like 90 minutes at a Bruno Mars concert. It was so therapeutic. And ever since then, I was like, Bruno, he snapped me out of my funk. He took me to like a better place and I'll forever thank him for that. (laughs) And he took you to a funky place. Oh, You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because he has good poppy and funky music. And Bruno's music, like we described, is so undeniable that most people think his success was inevitable and that it was just kind of given to him. Wait, it wasn't? Not at all. But for this story, we need to take you guys all the way back to Honolulu, Hawaii, where he was born and raised. Okay, I got it from here. Go, Joseph, go. Peter Jean Hernandez Jr. was born on October 8th, 1985, making him boop, 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 a Libra sun and a Leo moon. Oh, that Leo moon is strong, bitch. His birth time is unknown, so there's a bunch of speculations about his rising, but I don't know, so don't ask me. 
Either way, this makes him charming as fuzz, loyal, and a natural-born leader. It also means he's a great collaborator, able to hear people out, and make people feel seen and heard. Excuse me, when am I getting this Walter Mercado <laughs> treatment? Like, I'm your co-host. Show some respect. Mm-mm, not happening. I Mm-mm. love what you just said about Bruno. And one thing I want to add was that he was also raised by his father, Peter Jean Hernandez Sr., and his mother, Bernadette Bernie. Tell me how they hooked up. So Peter is half Puerto Rican and half Jewish from Brooklyn. And he was playing a show at the Hilton in Waikiki Beach, where he met Bernadette. Get this, she was a hula dancer. A <laughs> girl is up there shaking her hula, getting Peter all excited. <laughs> well, Bernadette was shaking it, and she had immigrated to Hawaii from the Philippines. Wait, so Bruno is half Boricua, half Jewish, and Filipino? That's a lot of halves. Yes, and that's exactly why Bruno and his sound and his history and kind of everything about him feels so hard to define. So Bernie and his dad had six kids, four daughters and two boys. And one of them, of course, was Brunito. A Rolling Stone feature on the singer revealed that his dad, Peter, Dr. Duwap Hernandez, as they like to call him, dimmed the lights in the delivery room as his wife was giving birth. So it was almost like a nightclub. Y'all, I love this man. (laughs) I don't even know this man. I love this man. I'm going to say I roll. uh... And he was not done. He was playing oldies but goodies on a (laughs) boombox. Listeners, if you're too young to know what a boombox is, please look it up. It's an artifact. Anyway, he was playing oldies on his boombox as Bruno was literally coming into the world. <laughs> literally at this point, what do you think the mom was yelling at this time? I don't know, but I would have been like, snip, snip, motherfucker, snip, snip. <laughs> and the second Daddy Mars saw his beautiful baby boy, he thought he looked a lot like a professional wrestler named Bruno Sammartino. So they nicknamed him Bruno. As for Mars's musical abilities, his home was filled with music. There was a little bit of everything playing all the time. Hip-hop, reggae, and R&B. But most importantly, rock and roll. Specifically, the king of rock himself. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Wait, was that supposed to be Elvis or Austin Butler? (laughs) Don't be jealous of my talent, okay? Bruno's uncle, John Valentine, was an Elvis Presley impersonator, and we have him to thank for setting tiny Bruno on the path to greatness. Back in 2011, Valentine recalled during an interview, witnessing his nephew's budding interest in music when he was just three years old, he happily encouraged young Mars to perform songs on stage, not only as Presley, but also as MJ, Michael Jackson. Okay, bitch, chill. I cannot do a Michael Jackson impression. Honestly, I'd kind of rather you not. (laughs) Well, soon Bruno gained notoriety in Hawaii for his uncanny musical impersonations. He was quite literally a little celebrity. And he was featured in magazines. He was even in a Hawaiian tabloid called Midweek as the quote-unquote little Elvis. He made an appearance in the 1990 documentary Viva Elvis, and he was on the Arsenio Hall show at the age of six. Well, Bruno went on to perform in the halftime show of the 1990 Aloha Bowl. Uh, Think of it as a baby Super Bowl for college football at Aloha Stadium. And if all that wasn't enough, in 1992, he even had a cameo in Honeymoon in Vegas with Nick Cage and Sarah Jessica Parker. 
Ooh, and just like that. Ooh, I like what you did there, Joseph. Mm-hmm. There was no denying Bruno's talent. And remember, he had all those other siblings. So why not spread the love and start a band? Like Selena y los Dinos. Rest in peace, Reina. From age four and all through grade school, Mars performed five days a week with his family's band, The Love Notes. Sometimes they were even doing two shows a night. It's very much the Jackson 5 vibes, but while his siblings were shy about the whole thing, Brunito loved the spotlight, kind of like me. Just like you. If you're wondering what they performed, it was pretty much covers of other songs, which meant they were only as popular and successful as any cover band would be. All I have to say is how in the world does a baby, because he looks like a baby up there, that tiny, have so much stage presence. You know how they say how some kids just have it and some mm-hmm. don't? <clears throat> Brunito had it. It was like inevitable that he would become a star. Like anybody watching that, any talent scout, any music executive would watch that and say, I'm putting all my money on that kid right now. It was a family affair from the beginning. Once a family band, always a family band. But performing as a child takes a toll on any kid, even one as talented as Bruno. So his parents started wondering if they were doing the right thing by Bruno when he... Wait, what did he do? He wet himself on stage. Oh my God, poor guy. If only he had depends. As always, this episode of Becoming an Icon is brought to you by the premier adult diaper on the market, Depends. Joseph? Yeah? (laughs) Depends is not a sponsor of this podcast. Not yet, bitch. Now, for any parent, this would have been a major cause for concern. And it was. Coupled with the fact that he was so focused on performing that he also wasn't taking school all that seriously. So they had to step in with some serious discipline. I tell Santi this. If you don't take a nap, you can't watch Blippi. Bruno's mom said, take a nap or you won't perform tonight. Like, there's a difference there, right? (laughs) His mother was even quoted saying this. He knows he cannot get away with skipping his three-hour nap or he will not go on stage. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. She had a child that took a three-hour nap. Like, I'm so jealous right now. Like, my baby will sleep for 42 minutes and I, like, want to throw a party for him. So, Bruno, not only was he, like, super talented, but he also took three-hour naps. This kid is fucking gold. Okay? Gold. I was also just going to say it's probably because he was a performer and like it just takes so much toll. (laughs) And baby boy Bruno didn't like missing his shows. Nope. And all that time on stage impersonating the king of rock and roll and the king of pop served as the foundation for his eventual artistry. Bruno grew up surrounded by music and he was determined to learn to play every instrument he could get his hands on. And his parents totally indulged him. When he was a child, it was clear he was a musical prodigy and the centerpiece of the family band. A friend of theirs told Rolling Stone that at the band's peak, Peter had seven Cadillacs and Bruno even had a room as big as an average living room just to house all of his instruments. But like with all great loves, it had to end. Joseph, are you going through another breakup? Oh, Liliana, I feel like I've been locked out of heaven. Way to bring it back, cuz. Sadly for Bruno, when he was only 11, his parents divorced and the band broke up. Bruno's four sisters stayed with their mom, while Bruno and his brother stayed with their dad. His father tried to keep the family afloat with a variety of side hustles, but they all failed. 
They ended up living in the back of a car, on rooftops, and even in an abandoned bird zoo called Paradise Park, where Bruno's father had worked. When the zoo closed, Bruno and his family stayed. For over two years, they lived in a one-room building with only one bed. During an interview with 60 Minutes, Bruno explained that it didn't even have a bathroom. If they had to go in the middle of the night, they would have to go to the other side of the park to another building that did. Dios mío, that's a long way from seven fucking Cadillacs. It is, but Bruno actually remembers it fondly. Sharing with 60 Minutes, we had each other and it never felt like it was the end of the world. I was shocked when we came across this. Like, I did not know this part of Bruno's history. And when you see the interview, which by the way, you guys should all go back and watch it. Like, I think it just gave me a totally different level of like understanding and just appreciation for who he is and how he was raised and how humble he is. I honestly, bitch, I'm speechless. I know. I think when we like first talked about it, you thought I was lying. You were like, he did not live in a fucking zoo. He lives in a penthouse with Versace on the floor. I thought you meant he owned like a menagerie and there was like animals and shit. I didn't like of an abandoned zoo also. Where were the animals? This, this is just all too much. I think we should do an entire special with Bruno where we get to ask him questions about Paradise Park because oh my God. it's just, I've, I mean, listen, we hear a lot of coming up stories, right? So many of our icons have had like very humble beginnings. I don't believe any other icon we've researched and done has ever lived in an abandoned zoo. Joseph can't even handle it, y'all. He's like checked out. He's done. I'm done. He's done. But anyway. What I think is so interesting is when you listen to his lyrics and you watch his videos, everything is so flashy. It's like cash and cars and diamonds and 24 karat. Like it's just a very high rolling kind of lifestyle. So now knowing that he was living in the back of cars in a one-bedroom zoo without a bathroom. <laughs> Does that change mm-hmm, your perception mm-hmm, of him mm-hmm. at all? Yeah, I mean, it makes him more relatable. And Bruno didn't miss the material things. He had his family, but he did miss the stage. That's right. And that was the one thing he wouldn't give up so easily. As an actor, a producer... And a proud Latino father, my days can get very busy, which is why I make sure to dedicate time to what's important, like supporting my community through my work, sharing my Colombian and Venezuelan culture, and being present for my family, which is everything to me. Hey, everyone, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when reflecting on what matters most, I start by giving thanks for good support in my life whenever I need to make the big decisions. How about you? If it's insurance you need, State Farm is there to help you choose the right coverage for you. And State Farm offers great support 24-7. Just call an agent. State Farm is also a big supporter of My Cultura Podcast Network by helping to share our Latinx voices. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. 
Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. So, we already discussed how Bruno literally came into this world. The boombox is back. <laughs> and the soundtrack of Bruno's youth included Jodeci and Keith Sweat, Little Motown, Led Zeppelin, and The Beatles. He lived and breathed these artists. Bruno was inspired by these varied sounds, especially doo-wop, which is a very specific style of rhythm and blues that prioritizes vocals over the instruments. Like I said, this kid was a musical prodigy. Now he just needed a new band to perform with. But first, he needed to make a discovery about himself. Soon, he was in high school and the lead singer of the Schoolboys. It was actually during this time when he got in trouble for singing the word horny while covering Genuine's Pony. Wait, he covered Pony in a high school? I don't even know that you were allowed to sing. Y'all, lyrics to Pony? Wait, hold on. I gotta look it up. Let's look it up. I'm just a bachelor looking for a partner. Remember this? Yeah, it was just a horny song. Oh, oh, it, that's in the chorus. Yes, it was nasty. <laughs> I need some water. I know you do because you read the lyrics to Pony. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I can understand why the teachers were angry at Bruno, but the girls, that was a different story. They were going crazy over him. And that's when it clicked for Bruno that endless charm plus his sex appeal meant he could be more than just an impersonator. He could do his own thing. He graduated in 2003, grabbed his diploma and said aloha to Los Angeles. And it was an easy decision, especially after one of his sisters called him up and told Bruno she played his demo for Mike Lynn, the head of A&R, AKA Artists and Repertoire at Dr. Dre's Aftermath Entertainment record label. Yeah, the Dr. Dre. It's the D-R-E and I still got love for the streets. So Bruno leaves Hawaii. He's on his way to L.A., but something was missing. That X factor. Listen, he knew Bruno was a good name, but it's not Madonna. It can't stand solo. Right? We needed Mas. So you're probably wondering, how did he get to Mars? I don't think I could actually explain it if I could in my own words. So I'm just going to read you what he said. Quote, I felt like I didn't have no pizzazz. And a lot of girls say, I'm out of this world. So I was like, I guess I'm from Mars. Stop. <laughs> I can't. Stop. I can't. Stop it. I can't. I call this like swag. He's got, the, the boy has swag. It's not even confidence. Cause like, okay, a lot of people are confident. I'm confident, Joseph. You're confident, but I'm sorry. I do not have swag like that. This man has so much swag. It's like off the chart swagger. I, I also just have to say the fact that he goes, I felt like I didn't have no pizzazz. The word pizzazz is otherworldly. <laughs> like if you feel you don't have pizzazz, you just are from Mars because the who, who says pizzazz? 
clearly Bruno, but there is something else to his adoption of this name, right? It was also a very specific effort by him to avoid being stereotyped. And you're probably wondering, wait, what? I know. Let me explain. The music industry was trying to pigeonhole him as another Latin artist because his last name was Hernandez, right? What do these pendejos have against the Z's? I don't know. I got two Z's in my name. I just know that the more Z's you have, the badder bitch you are. (laughs) So I don't know why they're anti-Z. But... These executives were even trying to convince Bruno to sing in Spanish. And listen, before you get all angry and you go out and tell me that Bruno's denying his Latinidad, that is not what was happening here, okay? It's not that he was ashamed of his Puerto Rican roots. It 1,000% influences him musically, and he is so proud to represent Puerto Rico. But as we've known from listening to all of our other previous episodes, the music industry doesn't always know what to do with Latino talent. That was one of the biggest challenges that Bruno faced when he actually got to L.A. They wanted to put him in a box, just like Shakira, just like J-Lo, just like Ricky. He had seen this story before. He was either going to be Puerto Rican or Filipino or Jewish to them. Like they wanted to put him in one of those boxes. They needed to figure out how they could sell and market him. But Bruno unapologetically embraced all parts of his identity. And that left all the right people scratching their heads. A year after signing with Motown... He had a shot to make it big, but it fell through the cracks. As fast as he was signed, girl, he was dropped. And to top it off, the culture shock he faced when he got to L.A. was brutal. Yeah, La La Land can be devastating for people when they first get here. And here's what Bruno had to say about his experience moving to L.A. He said, quote, I'd always been a working musician in Hawaii and never had problems paying rent. And then it's like, now I'm in L.A. My phone's getting shut off. That's when reality hit. I started DJing. I told this person I could DJ because they said they could pay me $75 cash under the table. I didn't know how to DJ. I lost that job pretty quick. Our boy was broke, but he wasn't a quitter. Daddy Peter was a hustler and taught his boy the art of the game. Bruno knew he had to give it another shot before calling it quits. At Motown, he met Philip Lawrence, a songwriter and producer. Lawrence and Mars had hit it off, and they started writing songs together along with sound engineer Ari Levine. Together, they founded a production team called The Smeezingtons. Bless you. (laughs) What a name, man. The Smeezingtons, goodbye. (laughs) During this time, Mars played cover songs around L.A. in a band called Sex Panther with his brother Eric, the future soon-to-be drummer of the Hooligans. Wait, Sex Panther? Mm -hmm. I need to call my trademark attorney because Bruno owes me some Good luck with that case. Anyway, soon Sex Panther was meeting with an A&R guy at Atlantic Records. He was blown away by their talent, but his colleagues, they were hashtag not impressed. It's a Shakira all over again. These movers in charge need to start getting some, como se dice, sabor. Exactly. The A&R guy wanted to sign him right then and there. But everyone else thought Bruno needed time to develop himself as an artist. So they agreed on a middle ground. The Smeezingtons were hired to write and produce songs for other artists under Atlantic Records. Like... 
Bieber, Florida, even Beyonce and Jay-Z. Hell, even Kanye. I know, you're probably wondering, wait, what songs were they? Y'all, these were like big fucking hits. Um, uh, and me right oh, around. Baby, right, right around. around. Like a record, baby. Right, 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 right. Mars took the L and was mostly in the background, either writing and producing or providing backup vocals for other artists. That was until 2009, when he was featured in two songs, B.O.B.'s Nothing On You and Travi McCoy's Billionaire. But I bet y'all didn't even know that Bruno wasn't supposed to be on these songs. That's right. Someone at the record company thought the hooks Bruno wrote would be better if someone white, blonde, and blue-eyed sang them. Blonde, blue-eyed, white people just don't have enough, apparently. Yes, I know. Give them, give them, give them more things. Please give them the world. Oh, wait, they already own it. Never mind. Mars called this moment the lowest of his career. He said, Even with that song in my back pocket to seal the deal, things like that are coming out of people's mouths. It made me feel like I wasn't even in the room. It's clear that people did not know how to promote an artist like Bruno with such a diverse background or even someone that looked like him. But he stayed on the tracks and both songs were instant hits. Everything about him was instantly recognizable. His voice, his signature fedora, his boyish good looks, as he likes to call them. (laughs) Atlantic Records finally realized what they had and signed him to the label. On July 20th, 2010, Mars released Just the Way You Are as the lead single from his debut studio album, Doo-Wop and Hooligans. Okay, Just the Way You Are. Did you love or hate the song? I love, like <laughs> deeply love this song. I feel like when I first heard it, I was like, is anyone ever going to feel that way about me? <laughs> um, like, he's really good with the lyrics. He's obsessed with her, but like in a not scary way, like not in like mm-hmm. not in like a you on Netflix stalkery way, <laughs> just in like a, oh, I want to be worshipped like that. Yeah, yeah it was mm-hmm. really sweet. And yes, I love that song. And what's crazy is that that song is one of my son's favorite songs. And my son has a little play piano. He's not as talented as Bruno. Let's be clear. He (laughs) bangs on the piano. And so when he sees Bruno playing the piano in the video, he said piano. So like he just has this real connection to the song. I think it's beautiful. I love that. But now it brings this question to me. So he's 22 months and loves Bruno and you can be old and young. Obviously, they were playing on all these, you know, different stations. And it was just kind of like this song. Why do you think this song worked? Um, I think it's always a combination with music. I think that A, the lyrics are widely acceptable. And what I mean by that is no one is offended by the lyrics. No one has Mm -hmm. like a bone to pick with these lyrics. Um, Like you said, everybody wants someone to feel this way. So there's a Mm -hmm. natural kind of like desire for this feeling. Um, So there's that connection to the song. So the lyrics check out, the connection exists. Like you want to feel like this. He wants to make you feel like this when he's singing to you. You're like, oh, do you feel like that about me? And I think that his music style just has really wide appeal. Like it's not for boomers. It's not for Gen Z. It's not for Gen X. It's not for millennials. It's just has cross-generation appeal. It does. But it's funny that you say that because I feel like he has created this sound that is he's pigeonholed himself to this universal sound. Do you know what I mean? I do, but I'm going to like fight you on this because 
remember, this is the lead single off of his debut album. So he's smart. He's been in the game and having this song be the first one to come out because he has then the ability to appeal to the widest, biggest audience. That's why I think it worked at this time. As he progresses as an artist, he gets bolder. He takes more risk. By the way, as all artists do, you want that. But to start, this album to me felt like that was a great introduction for him to this audience. Well, I actually have some juice for you. <gasps> give me the juice. Give me oh, the juice. Gr- <laughs> Originally, it was going to be given to CeeLo Green or Lupe Fiasco. But Brunito said, nah, man, you know what? This one's mine. And it reached the top of the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, ending the two-week reign of Queen Katy Perry's Teenage Dream. You know Bruno had an undeniable hit in his hand because Teenage Dream was like everywhere. It still is. Bruno was a star and he loved it. The fans loved him. There was money. He got special treatment wherever he went. The world was finally treating him like the VIP he always knew he was. But all of that can go away with the snap of a finger. Or the snort of a nose, Hanny. Yup. Bruno Mars might have had the number one song in the world, but a forthcoming arrest record threatened it all. I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling, and it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together, and that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi, I'm Freddie Prince Jr., And on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. One of the things that matters to me? Sharing memories and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the My Cultura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, Stay Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainer, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. You couldn't escape the headlines. They were everywhere. Bruno had the number one song in the country when he was caught with cocaine in Vegas. Talk about living the rock star lifestyle. Bruno paid a $2,000 fine, performed community service, and completed a course on drug abuse in exchange for the arrest being erased from his record. When asked about the incident during an interview with GQ magazine, this is what the singer had to say. 
You've prepped your whole life. It's all you know how to do. Your kid experiencing life in Sin City, and that was the lesson. It can all be taken away, put you in a weird place, embarrass you. And this was a real wake-up call for him. With an album underway, Bruno is more determined now than ever not to fuck it all up. <laughs> but like they say, all press is good press, and just the way you are, continue to perform well, despite his arrest. And doo and hooligans finally arrived. Did you know they gave them six months to work on this? Everyone on planet Earth and the aliens up in Alaska were like, who is this Bruno Mars? I want more of that. <sighs> so the label called them and said, you know what? Let's have this one done quickly. Instead of six months, now you got one. Ciao. They scrambled to put this album together. And while the entire process had felt daunting, when looking back on those weeks, Philip Lawrence had this to say. We had no idea what we were doing. And for the most part, we still have no idea. <laughs> back then, it was just like, holy hell, how are we going to pull this off? But still, in the midst of that, we couldn't believe we had a record deal and that we were making songs that were hits. So it was all this fantasy. The album itself is a breezy mix of pop, reggae, and R&B. It speaks to Bruno, who he is, how he grew up, and the people that surrounded him, especially his father. The album's divided into two parts, doo-wop and hooligans. Bruno credits his dad, who loved doo-wop, so he wanted to emphasize beautiful melodies and, more importantly, the vocals. As for the hooligan side, uh, Bruno really likes to party. We really like to party, and the world <laughs> clearly likes to party because the album went on to sell over 15 million copies worldwide. I mean, like, damn, you guys, there's just not that many albums that can hit these milestones, right? I think it became such a hit because despite him taking inspiration from so many bands and artists he admired, mm -hmm. it still sounded like his own thing. You're 1000% right. It's, it's always those moments with artists when you go, whoa, what was that? And then you go, wait, who is that? Like, Shakira has the same impact, right? At the time... I felt like it felt so fresh for my ears. And anytime you can capture freshness in music, mm -hmm. I mean, everything in music yes. and film and art is derivative. It's a different version of something you already know. It's the marriage of two yeah. things that are familiar. And when someone is able to really break that and come into their own with a really unique sound to your ear, that's like, that's major. Whenever I think about Bruno Mars, I do think of this very unique sound, right? People don't sound like Bruno Mars. And I think when I first heard it, I just was like, what is all this, this noise? <laughs> I knew you were going to say noise. I knew you were going to say noise. And now it's like a melody, you know? Mm -hmm. But I just feel like I had, my brain couldn't process like the sounds that were coming in. And I feel like I just needed a minute to warm up to him. Yeah. And everyone that was on the Bruno train back then is still on the Bruno train now. What's really interesting about this particular album is that this has been charting on the Billboard 200 for a decade. <coughs> did you know that? No, I actually did not. I'm shocked. That was a, you really heard a shocked noise for me. 10 years. And this is not some light record, you guys. This is a hyper exclusive club. I mean, the only other albums that I think Joseph might know that are in this club and the <laughs> only ones that are in it, period, are Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Okay. Bob Marley and the Wailers Legend. Like, I mean, iconic. Talk about fucking iconic. Okay. Then Metallica, like the actual album Metallica. I love Metallica. Um, Curtain Call, Eminem. <gasps> 
and last but not least, Nevermind, which is the soundtrack I mean, to my entire like high school, middle school <laughs> life. I mean, I'm speechless for Bruno. I feel like he's got to be speechless. I mean, that is some elite shit. How can you even just walk around your days like that? Yeah. You're like, hey, sorry, I'm just still recurring on the top two. He's like, I got yeah. the pizzazz. What? I know. And, you know, often we talk about debut albums and, you know, some of them are incredibly well done and they pop off when they launch, but then they kind of go away and they fade into obscurity. Yeah, that's not what happened with this one. And it wasn't like anything on the radio at the time. Bruno reached notoriety most people could only dream of. Everyone wanted a piece of the suave singer-songwriter, even Twilight. Marge released a single called It Will Rain for the Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1 soundtrack. I can totally believe that was a hit. Team Jacob at BT Dubs. How did I know you were a Twihard? Beyond a hit Twilight song, Bruno now had a Grammy win to his name, the Grammy for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance for Just The Way You Are. All those years living in Los Angeles, trying to break into the music industry, left him often dejected. He was constantly yearning for home, but he never faltered because he didn't want to return home a failure. In 2011, during his tour, he did anything but that. When he returned home, he wasn't empty-handed. He had all these hit singles, he had an album, and he had a Grammy win to prove it. His family, alongside a legion of fans, waited for him for a well-earned homecoming celebration. On December 19th, he performed to a sold-out crowd of 10,000 people. All was good on Mars Land. Now, he had the platform to come back with an even bigger album the next time around. On the next Becoming an Icon. Unorthodox jukebox. 24 karat magic. Silk Sonic. And two Super Bowl halftime shows. Becoming an Icon is presented by Sonoro and iHeart's Michael Cultura Podcast Network. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens. But trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.